You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is the business of connectivity and sustainability, uh, particularly uh, sustainable ways to connect communities, our lives, our world. And while many organizations focus on energy sustainability or vehicle sustainability or structural sustainability, the Ray in Georgia is paving the way for transportation infrastructure in multiple ways. I think you'll be very delighted to learn about this initiative. And so I'm really pleased to have as my guest the executive director of the Ray, Allie Kelly. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Well, thank you for taking the time, Allie. Let's start with the evolution, a little bit of the history and the early stages. Uh, the concept of sustainable transportation uh, and infrastructure, uh, how it began, and, and I guess some of that uh, lies in talking about the Racy Anderson Foundation, which has been instrumental in supporting the Ray. Uh, that's a, a very uh, close relationship, uh, I, and I might add that Racy Anderson, who was founder and chairman of Interface, was a man who had a vision, uh, and we can even talk later about how he, uh, he cultivated his vision, but you know, as one of the largest manufacturers of modular uh, commercial residential carpet uh, interface was the company, um, he applied many of the dimensions of what we consider sustainability uh, to his organization all across the board at the absolutely most leading edge, um, recycling of materials and every aspect of the process um, so that the Racy Anderson Foundation uh, has carried on the tradition of of promoting sustainability and your organization um, has been a benefactor of that. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of the Ray and the relationship with the foundation. Yeah, to to speak about the beginning of the Ray is to speak about Ray Anderson, the man. Um, Ray was a pioneer many times over in his life. He was the first to bring carpet tiles to the United States. He put his life savings and his family savings on the line in the 70s to start Interface. Um, and grew that company to be the global leader in the manufacturing and distribution of modular flooring. Um, I think he invested thirty or forty thousand in the beginning, and it's now valued at over a billion dollars, and continues to be the dominant uh, provider of modular flooring in the whole world. That in and of itself is an amazing story. But then when you learn that this um, bold and aggressive, super competitive businessman in the mid-90s came to realize that because um, industrial manufacturing was not employing some really basic um, efficiencies, that manufacturing was less competitive in the U.S. 
right? Because they weren't leveraging efficiencies. And not this, just, you know, sustainable uh, environmental practices, right, but efficiencies, yeah. in, uh, right. industrial efficiencies. Look, Ray w- was no tree hugger. He was a businessman, and he was about sales and growing his company. Um, he came to realize in the 90s that carpet was building up in landfills. Um, he was on the West Coast, and a man named John Picard put his finger in Ray's chest and said, you just don't get it. There was no recycling of old carpet in the mid-90s. There was no um, energy efficiency or water efficiency or water conservation employed at these manufacturing facilities. So Ray became the pioneer again, and he says, I'm going to put my billion-dollar company on the line, and we're going to start to do some of these efficient and also sustainable measures in my company. We're going to be the test case. We're going to be the pilot. And he ended up being the pioneer of corporate sustainability. His work at Interface led the way for Walmart to have a 100% renewable energy goal, led the way for Unilever to lead in sustainability through all of their um, companies under the Unilever umbrella. Ray saved his company $450 million through these efficiency um, changes and practices in his company. And he became the, the poster child and the cover boy on Time Magazine and Forbes Magazine as the greenest industrialist of the century over and over again, the entrepreneur of the year, and really inspired, you know, when I meet a corporate sustainability officer now, a CSO, which they have at Coca-Cola and they have at UPS and they have at, you know, all of these um, Fortune Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, I say, you know, thank Ray Anderson for your position, for your job, because Ray proved an interface that you could take sustainability measures and and organize them in the profit or the asset column of the balance sheet because these were money makers. Being more efficient, being sustainable, saved or made money for corporations, and Ray was the first to prove that at Interface, and that's our model at the Ray for transportation. Well, you know, I, I think they're inextricably linked. Um, the story of the Ray is as much, uh, you know, as we've alluded to, the story of Racy Anderson, the man, and the organization, the Racy Anderson Foundation, because we're talking about sustainability in multiple dimensions, and we're going to get into some of those very specifically, but I think it, you know, warrants us uh, giving credit to Racy Anderson, um, he might give credit to others that helped him to uh, become awakened to yeah. these sustainable practices. Uh, and eventually he went on to uh, become the author of Mid-Course Correction Toward a Sustainable Enterprise, uh, the Interface Model, uh, uh, and other books. And he really 
I think he took theory and put it into practice right. at a level that was way above and beyond any other uh, major company, and it uh, had a ripple effect, as you say. Right. Uh, organizations as big as Walmart uh, had have been influenced, and his legacy and commitment to sustainability uh, is is embodied in the work of the foundation, the Racy Anderson Foundation, and I can't think of a better source of pivotal support for the project. Um, So uh, now let's talk a little bit about the 18-mile stretch. It's a section of I-85 between West Point and LaGrange, Georgia. Uh, Let's talk about uh, some aspects of that project or, or let's still go back to talking about, I mean, it's one thing to talk about the foundation and the man. How did the the uh, the transportation infrastructure um, begin uh, and evolve into this very initiative that's called the Ray? Yep. So humble beginnings, right? The Georgia DOT, um, working with the governor and the state legislature, designated a stretch of I eighty five in West Georgia as the Racy Anderson Memorial Highway. Um, the, the, the stretch of highway that they chose connects West Point on the Georgia-Alabama border where Ray was born. The corridor, the memorial corridor, connects that birthplace, West Point, with the city of LaGrange, which is where Ray started Interface and where Interface still has a lot of manufacturing and some corporate offices. And, and we might add that, you know, that corridor between West Point and Milliken uh, is yeah. a a concentration of some of the most advanced textiles right. uh, manufacturers in the world. Right. So he had uh, a background exposed to that. Right. And it's fitting that that section of highway should be uh, named in his honor. But, uh, but in the beginning, there was no thought to making it a sustainable advanced forward-thinking section of highway. It was just a section of highway in the way that we dedicate sections of uh, major highways. So how did it, yeah, how did it go from there to, to becoming what uh, the project is? Right. So uh, Ray passed away in 2011, and his two daughters, Marianne Lanier and Harriet Langford, um, stepped up in 2011 as trustees of the Racy Anderson Foundation, um, which is the foundation to which Ray's personal wealth was nearly completely endowed. So that occurred in 2011. In 2014, the governor designated the Racy Anderson Memorial Highway, so just three years later. And Ray's youngest daughter, Harriet, um, on her back porch with her husband in LaGrange, Georgia, looking over the lake toasting the memorial highway and Harriet had her own spear in the chest just like her dad I mean the same DNA shining through and she said she looked at her husband and she said oh my god we just put the greenest industrialist of the century we just put his name on a dirty highway now we gotta go clean up the highway and you're talking about Allie Kelly, Harriet Langford, we have no background in transportation, engineering, construction, or, or didn't at road that construction. Time. At the time, we had no 
uh, career or school experience. But Harriet, guided by the the truth, her truth, that the Ray Anderson Highway needed to employ technology and innovation to achieve better outcomes in the transportation sector. And we started out focused on an 18-mile stretch of highway, but we have come to realize that we've created a living laboratory with our DOT and that what we do in that laboratory is projected out across the nation and around the world and has a much bigger role and a much greater influence than just changing 18 miles of highway to better reflect the legacy of Ray. That's important, and we do that every day. But we have the bigger role when you create a laboratory with your DOT where you're getting new technologies, putting them in the ground, giving them an opportunity to perform, getting the public's attention to these technologies, and helping them to scale because they're efficient, because they're safer, because, as Ray would say, it's so right, so smart. Having a lab that people can refer to for real data and real experience with these technologies, you can touch the solar road that you can drive on. You can take your car through the tire monitoring system. And because of that experience, because we're a public living lab, then we can change the world from 18 miles, not just change that 18-mile place, but we can change the world with that 18-mile lab. It's so amazing. I would imagine, uh, although it's possible at that moment, that epiphany uh, that uh, Harriet Langford uh, had, uh, Harriet Anderson Langford, um, to make it a a stretch of highway that um, would blossom into what the Ray is today. I'm wondering if it was thinking in terms of making it somewhat cleaner and greener and that it exploded uh, into uh, what it is now. We're going to take a break. Um, We're talking to Ellie Kelly, the executive director of the Ray, a very, very advanced, multiple technologies-focused section of highway here in the state of Georgia that will be coming to a place in your neighborhood um, sometime. We're going to be back uh, after a couple minutes to talk more with Ellie. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. This is Dr. George. Join me on Wednesday mornings from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock when we talk about more than medicine. It's now about staying healthy, but it's about the strategy to do so. Join me on Medicine on Call. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Ellie Kelly, the Executive Director of The Ray, and we've been talking about the multiple technologies that go into making The Ray the most advanced section of highway in the world, really. I think that there are probably some sections of highway, maybe uh, in Western Europe, that employ some of the technologies that we're talking about, but nowhere are there the range of technologies that the Ray has evolved to incorporate. And uh, and we're going to talk about them very specifically. In fact, um, let's start with some things which people can kind of relate to. Uh, Electric vehicles are are more prominent than ever. Uh, People uh, recognize that, in fact, they they are seeing uh, rather charging stations Mm -hmm. everywhere, you know, in the mall in some cases. But there are solar-powered charging stations on that 18-mile stretch. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was one of the very first things that we did at the Ray, and we have to manage expectations, right? I mean, an EV charging station is not leading-edge or bleeding-edge technology, but it could not be more important because the number of electric vehicles in the fleet of the United States, the commercial and the individual private fleet that we all drive, that number of electric vehicles is increasing with every day, every month, every year. And there are a couple of things that that trigger us to know deeply that that trend is only going to speed up and continue. For example, last month Volvo announced that they were only going to have electric vehicles in their fleet no more gas-powered vehicles in the Volvo fleet, period. Also, Tesla has just produced and begun delivering their Model 3, which is a $30,000 EV that can drive 200 miles or more on a single charge. That's a game-changer. That's an affordable vehicle that has more Range or more number of miles that you can drive on a single charge than anyone, any other automaker um, in the world right now. And so between Tesla and Volvo, the electric vehicle market is progressing at a far faster rate than we had thought up to this point. And even GM is playing uh, a and proactive role, yeah. and Ford are, are coming around. Uh, it uh, is much like that period of time, and I, I, the writing is on the wall. Uh, I'm a internal combustion kind of guy. I, I uh, uh, like uh, my car, uh, but eventually it's going to be a, at least a hybrid and then an electric vehicle. It's inevitability, and it probably is much like when internal the internal combustion engine and car was introduced uh, both in Europe and in the U.S., and there were still uh, uh, horse and buggy uh, sharing the road, horse and buggies and cars, um, but eventually we switched over and, you know, uh, horse and buggy uh, went by the wayside. Right. So uh, it's not surprising. And also, uh, Ellie, in terms of electric solar-powered electric charging stations, 
I can see that a path uh, to lesser resistance, so to speak, will be those parts of the country where two cities want to be recognized as being forward-thinking, you know, as being sustainable, and that you're having the technologies that the Ray incorporates uh, between those cities in particular will be something that, because there'll be people, large populations, critical mass of electric powered cars that are going to need some charging yeah. uh, not all the time I mean it's uh, 100 miles or 200 miles the car can go that distance but you're not always fully charged so you know they'll take a break and mm-hmm. and get a charge on the road itself yeah. and they're solar powered charging stations yeah. tell us about that yeah so it's clean energy um, no emissions associated with it it's clean the sun shines every day so it's dependable, and it's free. I mean, that energy is coming from the sun every day, and it's conflict-free. So we don't have to worry about where we're procuring it from the Middle East and the changing conflict that we have um, we have put ourselves in danger to get oil and gas out of some of those areas. Um, it's just, you know, it's so smart to leverage power from the sun, which is clean, to power the cleanest vehicle technology that we have at our fingertips right now. You know, we tend to think uh, one or two or three or four generations or at most a, a hundred years into the future and not very often. We don't think about hundreds of years. Fossil fuels are are, are I mean, we're going to suck the planet dry eventually. You know, I mean, really, you have to think about it in terms of uh, thousands of years. So solar is the uh, one of the obvious answers. There may be new hydrogen or new nuclear kinds of safe uh, energies. But right now, we are learning to harness the sun. And in fact, you uh, for, for, for anyone who is uh, viewing uh, this broadcast, not just uh, hearing it, uh, I want to hold up this this panel that there are even paved sections yes. that include solar panels, which henceforth or b- before now, uh, it it really wasn't possible to put the very fragile, brittle solar panels on the ground. Right. But technologies uh, have evolved to create these durable sections and if they go to your website uh, would they be able to see um, we have the benefit of an image here uh, of a section uh, a highway section of made up of solar panels would they be able to see that on the web yes it's a french product called Wattway. we were mesmerized by it because it's durable um, it withstands the pressure from an 18-wheeler fully loaded. We were, we couldn't resist competing for the, the first pilot in the U.S., and we really have the first pilot in the world outside of France. Um, we couldn't resist it because you don't have to do anything to the existing road. The Wattway just glues to the existing road. It's kind of like ladies will know Lee Press on nails. This is <laughs> right. this is the solar road version of a Lee Press on nail. So it goes onto the existing road, and it doesn't degrade the existing road. It actually armors the existing road. 
So when you're when if you're ever done with Wattway and you take it up, then you can continue to use your existing road. But it's super durable with all kinds of traffic, and it's safer than new asphalt and new concrete that we pour in the United States because it has this patented and innovative skid-resistant surface that utilizes recycled glass. I mean, what's not to love about this product? Yeah, it's and, and what's really great and what's really what's to love about this is that we don't ask a lot of our transportation infrastructure. And let me just boil that down. We don't ask the road to do anything other than to get us from point A to point B. And the 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 sides, the shoulders of the road and the right of way of the highway. We mow that every 6 to 8 weeks. We don't really do anything with it other than that initial core mission of travel from point A to point B, and then the shoulder is there for drivers in distress. We at the Ray believe that like everything else in the world and all of us, that transportation infrastructure, that roads and real estate and right-of-way can be leveraged to do more, to create more economic value for our DOTs, more economic value for the communities and for the nation's economy. We think that these assets can multitask, and Wattway is proof that the travel lane can generate energy when your car is not directly on top of it. And I could see that uh, with the sample and feeling the uh, recycled glass that's used to create a very rough surface, that this would probably be so much safer, particularly right. uh, during the rain. Right. Uh, that uh, that is quite amazing that you would have this uh, energy uh, collection device that is also uh, safer. Let's let's uh, walk me through the process of going to the Georgia Department of Transportation. Did you have a, a team of folks that included yeah. the the French uh, yeah. uh, technology people and and uh, what was their initial reaction? Yeah. So the the DOT has um, has been getting to know us better and better since 2014. So three years now that we've been partnered with Georgia DOT, the State Transportation Board has passed two resolutions, so they've passed two actions unanimously that have said publicly the Ray is a living lab and our DOT will partner. We will assume some risk with these new technologies and innovations. We will figure out how to make this living laboratory successful because the importance to the nation and the world it's been a is formal, worth it. A formal adoption so of we have a partnering. Formal adoption. And then we have a commissioner here in Georgia, Russell McMurray, who is bold and forward-thinking and said, we're going to create a working group with my division leaders, so uh, Commissioner McMurray's division leaders across divisions, Everything from the Traffic Management Center, which is all the cameras and the sensors and the smarts, all the way to the mowing contractors who mow the right-of-way, the Office of Materials that work on the concrete and asphalt mixes. The division leaders of all of those divisions come together with the Ray every month or two, and we discuss ideas and we discuss how to get them done. And that is how we have done so much in such a short period of time. I will tell you that our DOT not only permitted the Wattway, 
the solar road without having any reference point in the in the US. All they had was the country of France. And yet they gave this a permit, which is their bureaucracy, and they also electrically tied this into their system. So they were willing to go out on a limb and say not only will we formally permit this, but we will tie this into our DOT electric grid. And so this stretch of Wattway on the Ray now helps to power with clean energy from the road captured from the sun helps to power DOT facilities. It's amazing. You know, um, you, your staff, uh, your team uh, deserve a lot of credit for helping uh, Georgia DOT, but also Georgia DOT deserves a lot of credit for uh, coming along on the path to these uh, new technologies. We're going to come back uh, in a couple of minutes and talk more with Allie Kelly about the Ray and the specific technologies incorporated in the 18-mile stretch here in Georgia that is truly a path to the future. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Ellie Kelly, the Executive Director of The Ray. The Ray is an initiative of 
Well, it may have developed somewhat independently as we described early on, but it is very much um, inextricably linked to the Ray C. Anderson Foundation. Um, and uh, Ray, as we talked about in the beginning, was an industrialist here in the U.S. who was very much on the leading edge of incorporating technologies uh, for efficiency. And the Ray, the project, which is the 18-mile stretch of highway, also incorporates multiple technologies. And we've been talking with Ellie about some of those technologies. But Ellie, during the break, you were talking about requirements uh, of our cars and not so much of the road, because you're helping set the standards for the requirements and uh, that will make our roads um, smarter. So, so with smart cars, why not? It's inevitable right. to have smart roads. So tell us right. a little bit about what some of the requirements will be uh, of cars and how the Ray is incorporating technologies to support those kind of cars. Yes. So I think some of this information is is not filtering down to the general public because it gets overcomplicated. You know, Apple car, Google car, you know, uh, Lyft and Uber in the mix with autonomous vehicles. There are a couple of things that are facts that are happening that the general public needs to be made aware of. Um, number one, the federal government is mandating that beginning in 2019, 50% of all new cars that are on the market in 2019 will have the technology included in them and activated that will make those cars communicate with other cars. You will not be able to buy a new car in 2019 that is not connected. You will not know that your connected car is talking to other connected cars. It will start making decisions without your awareness based on information that it is trading with other connected cars. So 50% of the fleet in the U.S. mandated connected in 2019, 100% of the fleet mandated connected in 2021. So you will not have control over this. It will be a positive for safety because data sharing between cars will help your car and other cars to make safer transitions in between lanes and with speeds. For example, right? if there's an accident ahead, your you're going to have to trans- transition to a slower speed right. that will happen gradually right. and collectively right. among cars. Now, what people need to understand is that an autonomous car If it is just autonomous, it is not connected. It's not talking to anyone. It is a single vehicle in its own information bubble, and it is working with uh, light radar called LIDAR, and it's working with, you know, a half dozen or more cameras, and it is working with a series of maps that it has downloaded before your travel begins. That is an autonomous car. Right now, an autonomous car is not a connected car. It's working in its own bubble. Okay, so we know that connected cars are coming in large part beginning in 2019. Autonomous vehicles are going to be available in 2018 with level 3 autonomy. Level 5 is you 
have a computer and you don't need a human, level three is two clicks under that, and level three will be available in January of 2018. So it's not futuristic. It's not Jetsons. It is here. It is here now. And if you do not, as a DOT or as a state patrol, if you do not deploy the communication equipment in the road and along the road to capture this vehicle-to-vehicle communication, you are out of the game. Because the vehicles have the radios, they're talking to each other, the data's out there. But if DOTs and if public safety agencies do not deploy their own radios to capture that information, then they are out of the ballgame. Well, well, I do have to say that as someone who enjoys uh, autonomy in all aspects of my life, there's a certain amount of dread, uh, I, I might say, but at the same time, I know that it's like a lot of other evolved technologies where there's going to be fewer deaths. Yes. You know, it's going to be much, fewer. much safer, uh, much less energy consuming. And I would imagine, I, the thought occurred to me as you were describing this, that there will be some cars, at least uh, we will be going through evolutions of brain power in the car, you know, yeah. of computing power. There will be alpha cars probably that uh, take in more information and as they're communicating could even uh, set the pace, so to speak, right. uh, uh, on the road. Um, let's also talk about things like climate modeling and how... Uh, that's an aspect of this project, you yes. know, about how uh, factoring in uh, climate and how your section uh, of the highway uh, and larger sections, hopefully, um, will factor in climate data. Yeah. So let me explain why we did climate modeling on the Ray. It's not just because weather is erratic and changing, and that has always been the case, but it is more pronounced weather is more pronounced now so we did it because we wanted to understand how the weather on the ray was going to change over 50 years likely but we also wanted to show more broadly because it's not just about 18 miles it's about the nation so right now we make our road building and road engineering decisions primarily based on low bid What's the lowest price to get this job done? And here's the shortcoming of low bid. Low bid doesn't look at an innovation or a product and say, well, in 20 years when there's more flooding, is this product that may be more expensive on the front end going to make my road last longer, be safer, more durable, more resilient in 20 or 30 years when there's more flooding. And that creates, because we are so focused on the low bid today and not the performance 20, 30, 40 years from now, we end up paying more 20, 30, 40 years from now because the lowest priced product today doesn't necessarily create the best performance or the best outcome in 20, 30, or 40 years. And with flooding and high temperatures and superstorms, that's even more so the case. We're making short-sighted, cheap decisions on the front end, and we're sacrificing human lives 
and savings over time. And we have to break that paradigm of low bid and start to look at what's called the life cycle of the road. That's why we did climate modeling, not because we're trying to prove that climate change is or isn't happening, but because erratic weather is happening and we need to make decisions that anticipate flooding, that anticipate superstorms, and make decisions that are going to create more resilient infrastructure 30, 40 years from now. Yeah, I would imagine uh, just knowing in advance that you're approaching a section of road that's uh if not completely flooded, just has a lot of water, uh, can uh, can be beneficial. Uh, and and, and you, that you, you know, being from the West Coast, that um, this year that California and um, New Mexico and Arizona has seen high temperatures that have broken the sum of all the records, right, mm-hmm. already. And what we saw last summer, and I'm just trying to make this real, for people because these things are happening. In parts of India last summer, it was so hot that the asphalt returned to a liquid state and the roads melted. Now, they didn't run off the side of the road, but the road lines became blurred and twisty because the road asphalt was melting. How does how did this section of solar uh, road hold up? This uh, solar road that we've piloted has been great. It has outperformed what we believed it would generate, the power it would generate from the sun. Well, do and we know about what what it's going to do in 120 degrees or more? Um, we don't know that because we haven't had a pilot in an area that sees that, that those kinds of temperatures. What we did do in Georgia on the Ray, which was special for the company, in Georgia when we have an ice storm or a snowstorm coming, we put salt solution on the road. We brine the road. And the French don't brine their roads. The French brine their meat. They don't (laughs) brine the roads. And so we actually had to brine the Wattway on the Ray in February, and that was the first time in five years that the company had ever applied a salt solution to the, the Wattway, and we were able to be a part of their testing protocol. We're going to take an, another break in just a little bit, but but before we do, maybe you could tell us very briefly. Um, you have uh, tire safety check stations on the uh, the ray, and actually, you know, there are times when I've been traveling down the road and I could tell that the car was pulling, yeah. and the reason there could be a variety of reasons, right. but one of them is just low pressure on your tires. Yeah. So it would have been nice to be able to pull over and uh, check that and fill it up and not have to go to a gas station. So tell me about the tire check stations. So we have dozens of people dying in America every year simply and precisely because of tire failure. This is something that is predictable and preventable, but we have become less, um, we have become less good at tire maintenance because we don't have full service filling stations anymore. We don't have people looking at our tires, and we're not looking at our tires. So we're losing people through accidents that are made worse because tires are bald or tires are over or underinflated, as well as a group of people who are dying just because of tire failure, 
And that is completely preventable. Those are preventable deaths with the the slightest bit of effort. So what we've done, we have the only tire monitoring station in the world on the Ray right now. It's automatic. It's like a drive-through. You never get out of your car. It takes seven seconds, and it monitors not only your tire pressure, but it's the only one in the world that will monitor the tread depth remaining on your car on your car tires. So if you have bald tires, it will tell you your tires are bald. If your tires are near bald, it will tell you your tires are near bald. Can it uh, refill uh, and increase tire pressure? Yes. So we've installed a compressor along with the tire monitoring station so that people who are on the ray will have an opportunity to fix their tire issue before they get back on the ray, which makes the ray safer. And it also makes the car more efficient because when your tires are not properly maintained, your fuel economy tanks, which means that we waste fuel, which means that we have higher emissions at the tailpipe. All of those things can be addressed through proper tire maintenance. And this is you don't have to get your hands dirty. The equipment does it for you in seven seconds. It's, it's amazing. It's a really, really basic uh, aspect of uh, automobile safety. And as you pointed out, we're not as good about uh, right. checking our tires as we used to be. Right. We're going to take a quick break. We're with Allie Kelly of The Ray. We've been talking about this really uh, fascinating road to the future. We'll be back in just couple of minutes. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Allie Kelly, the Executive Director of The Ray. And The Ray is a currently an 18-mile stretch of Interstate 85 here in Georgia between LaGrange and West Point that has incorporated many advanced technologies to make the road safer, 
more efficient, to do a variety of things, including what we were talking about just before the break, in just seven seconds, monitor the safety of your tires. And as Ali pointed out, um, we didn't say this before the break, but you know, you drive through the uh, system which m- does the monitoring and onto a, uh, like the kiosk where you get a parking uh, lot ticket and you get a little readout of what's going on with your tires. Um, Ellie, you showed me a photo also during that break. Um, uh, is that station adjacent to a rest stop? Um, it is. Okay. Yeah. So our rest stops are getting smarter. Right. Um, tell us about... Um, The bioswales and yeah. the range of vegetation uh, that is yeah. is now replacing what has not been a very um, smart, although it looked nice to have uh, a golf course like a, a swatch of grass uh, in the median or alongside of a highway. We're, we're now learning that it's better to have a range of vegetation. Right. Tell us about that. Yeah, we've just scratched the surface of the ray, and listeners can go to theray.org to find out the whole laundry list of things that we're doing on the ray. And, Ron, you're exactly right. We also work on the vegetation on the right-of-way. We have the state's first pilot of native grasses that the DOT is allowing to grow tall in the area, the land along the highway, which is called the right-of-way. And those native grasses are, you know, by scientists and other wonks referred to as bioswales. But what we really need to think about is status quo. What do we expect to see along roads and highways and interstates? Right now, we expect something like a golf course aesthetic. We kind of want to see Augusta National. Fescue or some other turf grass, mowed short, rolling and green. And while that may be a nice aesthetic to the eyes, it's very inefficient and impractical, and it's not very safe. And here's why. Turf grass is not hardy, certainly isn't hardy in the soil that lines the roadway, which is a really yucky soil. It's got a lot of, you know, trash that people throw out. It's got a lot of old asphalt in it. Trash and also toxic runoff, right? It's just, so we're trying to get this fragile turf grass to grow in these degraded soils, and then we mow it really short, right? And what does that achieve? Well, the turf grass isn't very good at slowing down the stormwater or the flooding that's coming off from the road. And in fact, that flooding is going so fast and the turf is so short that the turf can't slow it down and the stormwater, that flooding picks up the soil and it erodes the soil even more. And on top of that, all of the antifreeze and the oil and the gas and the metal and the rubber that's coming off of the highway is not stopped by the turf grass. It just goes straight into the water systems where we as taxpayers have to pay money to our local governments to clean that stuff up in the wastewater treatment facilities. And on top of that, just to state the obvious, DOT is sending equipment, 
fuel and humans out there every six, eight, ten weeks to mow the right of way, and it doesn't even look that great because it's the turf doesn't grow well in the right of way. So what we need to do is encourage all of us to have a different expectation of what the right of way should and could look like because if we simply planted native hardy tolerant drought tolerant grasses and allowed them to grow you know three feet high those grasses slow down the water they cause the water to actually inundate or seep into the ground they trap the trash they trap the pollution off the side of the road they keep the water system cleaner and you achieve a more efficient operation for DOT because instead of mowing the right-of-way every eight, six, eight, ten weeks, you mow the right-of-way once a year, you cut those grasses down, you harvest all of the pollution and all of the trash when you mow, and you have a cleaner water system and you have less money, taxpayer money, going to mow sickly turf grass, which right. is what it, we have now. It's a lower maintenance uh, combination of vegetation. It's not maintained like a golf course. Um, tell us about solar barriers and yeah. right-of-way solar. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this in, in the form of a story. So when Harriet and I and Harriet's husband, Phil Langford, when we first started thinking about the Ray, you know, day one, we were concerned about 18 miles and how it looked. And we wanted to plant wildflower meadows because we thought, well, we could give, you know, bees and monarch butterflies some habitat in the right of way. And we had the big idea that we were going to put a solar panel in the median to raise awareness. That was day one. Those were our, that was our long list of ideas. Well, here we are now in 2017. We have worked with the DOT to plant pollinator meadows and bioswales, acres in the right-of-way. We're working with Georgia Power and DOT to put a solar farm along the highway in the right-of-way. It's going to be 3,000 solar panels, not one for public awareness, but 3,000 solar panels to give DOT some new revenue and to generate some clean energy for the utility. It's a win-win. Um, and we're pushing the envelope. We're actually working with our partners in the federal government to research the noise barriers that help to keep the highway noise low for people who live alongside the highways. Those, those noise barriers are typically made out of metal or concrete. Across the pond in Germany and in the UK and in other countries, even over in Asia, they make noise barriers using solar cells and solar material. And so therefore, you still mitigate, you still reduce the highway noise, but those barriers have another purpose. When they're not reducing the noise, they can generate clean energy. What a great use of uh, the real estate uh, that is the right-of-way on on highways because there's so much of it. Um, We're gearing down now, and I want to have you tell me uh, in in summary. And and by the way, you you mentioned uh, Harriet uh, Anderson Langford. Uh, You know, kudos to uh, you and Harriet uh, Anderson Langford, uh, to John Picard and the rest of your team, uh, you know we can't go through all of them, but uh, your very forward-thinking group of folks. Your goal in 2020 will be a goal of zero deaths, zero waste, and zero impact yeah. on any section uh, of the Ray. Um, 
and that will carry that over to other highways too. Right. We uh, we actually don't have an end date for this project. We have an endowment from the Racy Anderson Foundation, and then we also receive financial support from corporations like Kia um, and from individuals. And um, we plan to continue working on technology in transportation that will save lives and that will create a better outcome for the economy better outcome for communities and better outcome for drivers and for the environment um, and we'll we'll continue working on that for many years to come um, we've already seen a lot of change on the ray and we're starting to be visited by other states and other countries um, we hosted the smithsonian just a couple of months ago um, and we are the ray not the ray in georgia but we are the ray because any state and any city can host its own ray because we're a nonprofit foundation we're not trying to sell anything we're completely transparent and we will give the keys to the success of the ray to anyone who wants to do the same in their area you're definitely the ray of light uh, when it comes to uh, the future of our highway system and uh, you're going to probably be very busy with visitors from all over the country, possibly the world, uh, over the next uh, few months and years. Uh, you deserve a great deal of credit for uh, this advanced combination of technologies. And I want to thank you, uh, Ellie, and your team for the Ray. Thank you for being interested. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about the work that we have going on. Yes, it's in Georgia. It's in. It's on a highway in an exurban and rural environment, and it comes out of nowhere. Who would expect this to come out of Georgia? But these things are so smart, and they're so ready, and they're going to change the way that we drive and the commute and the way that our communities um, interact with our interstates. Um, it's important work. Well, the Ray is definitely driving the future. Again, thank you for your work. We've been listening to Allie Kelly of the Ray here in Georgia. This is the Business Hour. We're on from 10 to 11 on Fridays. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the Internet and the radio next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.